Father, today we would indeed echo the words of that hymn and say, Be still, my soul. Enable us to focus in on your word and what you have to say to us this morning so that we might become more like Jesus, in whose name we pray today. Amen. Well, we're working our way through a sermon series looking at our attitudes in life. And uh, this morning I want to look at having a healthy attitude about our goal in life. But first let me tell you a story about uh, a student in Bible college who said to his principal, he said, Principal, sir, I believe that I've arrived at a state of spiritual perfection. Now the principal, of course, was a very wise man. And he replied, that's wonderful to hear. But I find it surprising that none of the other students have noticed. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? You can think you've gotten somewhere, but nobody else seems to be aware of the fact that you've gotten to that particular place. Well, the Apostle Paul, he, he was a man who had every reason to say, I've gotten somewhere. But he recognized he hadn't quite gotten to where he wanted to be yet. He hadn't arrived that fully at that place of, of perfection. And when I think of all the Christians that, that we know and know about, he'd surely be one who'll be able to claim he was pretty close to Jesus in his attitudes, in his lifestyle, in everything. But there's always more to learn, isn't there? There's always more to experience in life, in every kind of area of life. The Apostle Paul here, he he gives us his goal for the rest of his life as he writes to the Philippian church. So let's have a look at what he he writes because I think that they're worthy goals, not just for Paul, but they're great goals for us to have as well. And I think it's important for us, no matter what stage of life you're at, to keep on having goals, to keep on having something that you're aiming for. So let's have a look at what the Apostle Paul had. First of all, he was taking hold of what Christ offers us in himself. The Apostle Paul, he was a man who had experienced so much in life And it made him very humble to realize that there's still so much more that he can experience. Listen to what he says in Romans 8.32. He says, talking about Jesus, he says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not freely give us all things in him? Paul was saying that in spite of all that he's experienced so far as a man of God, there's still more of the unsearchable riches of Christ for him to experience. They were the all things. All things means our salvation, you know, delivery from sin, our being set free from having to pay the price of our sins, our freedom to know God personally, to live a life of wholeness and healing in mind, body and spirit. It's all there. In fact, in Christ, God has given us all the resources we need to live for him for the rest of our lives. All those resources are there in Jesus. And where are they? They are in him. They are in Jesus. The resources we are looking for are in Christ himself. And we make them part of our own experience by living in fellowship with the Lord. It's like we go into partnership with God. Of course, we know he's the senior partner, isn't he? And he's the banker, all at once. All the resources we need to live are obtainable in Christ. So let's keep that in mind. And that's what the Apostle Paul wanted to focus on. And that's why the spiritual greats, you know, name a spiritual great. Who do you know is a spiritual great person? Any guesses? Ah, not me. Get off. Think of, 
Oswald Chambers, Billy Graham, anyone you want to think of, these were people who had, had great spiritual resources because they had fellowship with Jesus. That's why they were great. Now, we might not think that, you know, well, we're just Doyleson Baptist Church, you know. Pastor wanders around garrison snakes, you know, that kind of well that's we're just normal garden variety people. We might not be great stars for Jesus. But the interesting thing is that the same resources that are available to all the spiritual greats are also available to us as we live in fellowship with Jesus. And I find that very challenging to think about. I think, what sort of resources do we have? Well, have a look with me in the moment. For Just go back to the Gospels for a second. Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 22. Jesus challenges us as disciples of himself. Mark 11, verse 22. Jesus says, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain... Go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. I find that such challenging scripture. Sometimes I wish that wasn't in the Bible. Because I go, wow, that is some place to arrive at. But it is there. I like to turn the scripture upside down, actually. The first place I've got to start at is, have I forgiven everyone everything? That's the starting place. Make sure you're there, first of all, because there's no point praying and expecting an answer until you get there. Forgiveness first, and then start praying with faith. But this shows me that if we have faith in God, all the resources that we need are available to us and I find that very challenging so how do I get to that place well I can get to a place of forgiveness I can do that it's a choice it's an act of my will but how do I know how do I go to pray with faith according to God's will well where is God's will I'll ask you the question it's not rhetorical where would you find God's will in the Bible thank you very much and revealed through the person of Jesus so what do I want to, if I want to know God's will I go back to his word and I go back to watching what Jesus did. That's how I can pray in faith. I've got that senior partner. That's God. I can depend on him. I can depend upon his covenant. He's a covenant-keeping God. He makes a contract and he keeps that contract. That's how I pray according to God's will. In faith. And I trust God to be faithful to fulfill, fulfill his promises. See, it doesn't matter what we see happening in the natural realm. It's what is going on in the spiritual realm that's more important. God's word is true. We need to rest on it in faith and in fellowship with Jesus. The Apostle Paul was a man of faith. He determined to take hold of everything that God had provided for him in Christ. Listen to what he says. Not that I've already obtained all this, I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He's taking hold of this. That should challenge you. That should be your goal in life, to take hold of what Christ has already taken hold of you for. You get a hold of that too. God's taken hold of us in Christ. We need to take hold of him, and we do that by faith. Now, that means the next thing. Look at the next verse, verse 13. Philippians chapter 3, 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do... 
forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. That's my second point for this morning. Paul realized that though he had achieved much in the eyes of the world and much in the eyes of the church, because we look and think, wow, that's the man I want to aspire to. He says, I still haven't fully arrived spiritually. And we can never depend on what we've achieved. We can only depend upon God continually. And that's what Paul did. He depended upon God continually. He was able to live independent of circumstances. It didn't matter what his life was like. He wasn't depending on his life. He was depending upon God. And you look at Paul's life. He knew how to live independent of everything else. He had an ambition of forgetting what was past. Now that involves, what does that involve, forgetting what is past? It involves forgetting the bad things. That's important. Yeah. Look at your own life. The hurts, the disappointments, the frustrations that come to us. We've been let down by family, friends, churches, pastors. We've all been let down. It means forgetting the relationship problems we've known by forgiving those who hurt us and asking for forgiveness for those that we've hurt. It means forgetting the shame of the things that we've said or done that have caused offence to others and being free of guilt through receiving God's forgiveness in Christ. Now, I've been asked before, Martin, how do you actually do this forgetting thing? Because I keep on remembering all the bad stuff. Well, I go back to the Word of God. And the Word tells me that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. So I can put all my past behind me because I'm a new creation in Christ. So I'm going to put that on instead and leave all the old stuff behind me. I was once dead spiritually, now I'm alive through faith in Jesus. When I do those things, I can put my past behind me, and so can you. So we forget the bad things. But sometimes we even also need to forget the good things in some way. We don't back, look back on the good old days. Who likes to do that? I was listening to someone the other day who was talking, and he, and he asked this question. He says, is your life better than the life of your grandparents? Now, our life is certainly different, but is it better? My goodness, we've got an awful lot more resources. I've got a full tummy every day. My grandparents didn't have washing machines and microwaves and everything else we've got. I'm a lot more wealthy than my grandparents. And they go, wow, you know, we've got a good. Let's go looking back at the good old days. No, the best of times are actually right now. Through our growing relationship with Jesus in the present and in the future. Because every day I'm one closer, day closer to heaven itself. Bring it on, Lord. So let's not be proud of our past achievements, but rather let's be humbly grateful to God for his goodness to us in the past and look forward to the new experiences as we grow in his grace and in his power. That way, when someone asks you for your testimony, you won't begin to tell them you know, about what happened when you first began to know Jesus. Well, that's just really important, what happened when you, became, when you got to know Jesus. Yes, that is important. But that's history. What's Jesus doing in your life now? That's relevant. Right? We've all got history, and we know what God's done, but what's he doing now? Is your God still real to you now? Is he relevant to you now? Is he answering prayers now? I need to be able to share that with people. Not that once I got to know Jesus, yeah, that's wonderful. But my God's alive and he's relevant today. He's answering my prayer today. 
He's doing things in my life today. He's a today God, not history. Yes, he's in history, I know that, but get, get the picture. He's relevant now. His activity is ongoing. I have a real relationship with a living God. That's relevant. Have you got a testimony like that where you can share what's going on now in your life? Well, Paul goes on in verse, verse 14. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. My third point. Paul's comparing himself now to a runner in a race and and he's pressing on. He's running his race to the best of his ability. He's got his eyes on the goal. He can see that end post and he's heading for that. It's the finish line that he's concerned about. Not the people that are running beside him at the moment. He hasn't compared himself to others in the race. He's tried his best he can by the grace of God. Now let's face it. How many of you like to compare yourself with other people? Hmm? Yeah, we often do that, don't we? We compare ourselves to so-and-so and that person over there. Jesus once saw a guy making a comparison. The guy was a Pharisee and he arrogantly compared himself to a miserable tax collector. It was a wrong comparison to make because sometimes we can make wonderful comparisons and say, oh, I'm so much better than them. Hooray. Or then you look at someone else and you're like, oh, I'm so much worse than that bloke. Hang your head in shame again. There's only one true comparison really for me to make. Yeah, I can compare myself with Jesus, yes. But there's another comparison. How was I yesterday? Is my today better than my yesterday? Because I can compare myself to myself. I want to be like Jesus, definitely that's my goal. But I can't compare myself to him. He's the son of God. And he is special. And he is unique. I want to be like him. But the person I want to compare myself with is Martin from yesterday. Is Martin today better than Martin was yesterday? That's who I should compare myself with. I need to draw close to Jesus. I need to draw on the grace of God. I need to receive his comfort. Am I living in obedience to him today? So we often we need to repent of our past attitudes and our life's, life's goal is to be like, like Jesus, definitely. And the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, that's what we've got. But don't look down in shame. Look up. Look up instead. Look up to Jesus. Do what Jesus did. Say what Jesus said. Say, that's the kind of life I want to be living. I want to be called a Christian. One who's like Christ. That's my goal. Let's have a look what else Paul says. 15 verses 15 and 16. All of us who are mature, well, that's interesting for a church like this. All of us who are mature should take a view of such things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. I love the way he puts that. If you've got a different opinion to what I've got, well, that's all right. You talk to God about it and he'll he'll sort it out with you. Verse 16. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. You see, a mature Christian isn't marked necessarily by white hairs a mature Christian is someone who's like Jesus that's how you measure your maturity the other way we do is just measuring our age maturity is something different we need to be like Jesus more and more we need to be able to demonstrate the kingdom of God in our lives now what is useful 
about our past victories is that we can actually look back and we can see what God has done in our lives in the past. And we can learn from that because if God has done something through faith in the past, I know that God can do it again. That's why Israel was often, the nation of Israel was often repeating their history, their salvation history. God got us through this. He got us out of slavery. He got us across the sea. He provided for us. Now, repeat that again and again and again because it builds up your faith. So what's God done in the past? God's done something in my life in the past. Wonderful. I'm expecting God to do more things in the present. As we obey his commands, he's going to bring it all to pass. So the confidence we have as we, as we face this journey of life is that our past victories through the grace of God show us the love of God for us and the willingness that God has to answer our prayers and to be effective in our lives. God is faithful. He's been faithful in the past, so he's also going to be faithful in the present, and he's going to be faithful in the future all the way through to eternity. All he needs from us is our desire to live totally for him, and he'll pour out his grace upon us, his love and his power into our lives, and he'll enable us to live for him. That's what Paul's telling us here. That was his goal in life. What's your goal in life going to be? That's for you guys to answer. You can cogitate on that for a little while. But I think it's important for us now to come to, to God in prayer. And as you come to God in prayer, I want you to do two things. I want you to look back into the past, not in a negative way with, with, with regret or anger or pride, but rather in a positive way. Look back in a positive way and see the past achievements and see your achievements in the light of God's faithfulness. Because anything you've achieved in life is only because God has enabled you. No other reason. It's not you. It's him working in you. So look back into your past and be thankful. But also look forward to the future as you pray. Look forward with confidence in God because he loves you. He wants the best for you. Ask him to provide what it is that you need. If you need strength and healing for your body, you can ask God for that. If you need wisdom, you can ask God for that. If you need material provision, you can ask God for that. God will look after you. He promises to do that. God has taken hold of us through Christ Jesus. Now let's take hold of him. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you this morning with open hearts, We want to see the things that you've done and to see them clearly. To know that you're a God who is active in each of our lives. Sometimes big ways, sometimes small ways. But you're making us each step more like Jesus. And we are so thankful for your faithfulness and your love towards us. And we thank you, Father, that you've done things in the past, you're looking after us in the present, and you've given us an incredible hope for the future. Thank you for the wonderful promise that Jesus is coming back for his people. But, Father, between now and then, we have a great job to be doing, an enormous task that is before us, and that is to share the love that you've put in each of our hearts with other people. So to do that effectively, Father, we ask for your provision for our lives. We pray for strength in our physical bodies. 
We ask, Father, for the wisdom to know what to say and when to say it. We ask, Father, for all the material things that we need round about us to be effective in the work of ministry. We pray that you might provide these things, that your kingdom would come with all of its fullness and power in each of our lives, that we might reflect Jesus to our community. For your glory, we pray in his name. Amen. Our final hymn this morning is a wonderful hymn about having victory in Jesus. The hymn number 526, Victory in Jesus.